0: hello everybody and welcome to another e5 podcast today as these podcasts are becoming we have some familiar faces say hello
1: hello it's david watts here aka sparky ninja
0: and we have a new co-host please say hello and introduce yourself
2: Hello. Good evening, chaps. Uh, My name's Lee Ward, Pure Electric
0: in Dorset. Pure Electric, not to be confused with Adrian Davey, Uh, Pure Electric. Did he steal your name? I think he stole your name but it doesn't matter that
1: was that was so confusing for me for about a year on yeah when yeah if anyone <laughs> said pure
0: electric and they go what adrian or lee adrian or lee which yeah. one which one yeah.
1: it took a while but i got it both got lovely
0: it. chaps and we've now we've now hit the double bubble so we've got both pure electrics as co-hosts on the podcast um lee thank you very much for uh giving us uh, uh generously your time um you have a lot that you want to talk about in the industry, and this is a forum for talking and debating about the industry. Um, and you want to talk about um, quite a lot, so we may fit it in one podcast, so we may have to go into another, who cares? Um, Should we start off with con- consumer protection systems, Lee? Well, what's your thoughts on views and your experience? Share your knowledge with, with the listeners.
2: Sure. Um, well, yeah, with regards to consumer protection systems, you've got obviously various different types such as um, the trade organizations in terms of competent person schemes that we all know about and the fact that they offer a degree um, of consumer protection through their vetting process, um, checking people have the adequate insurance in place um, and also qualifications as well as. Um, And then you've got also the more generic uh, trade consumer protection systems, such as the key ones being Check trade, which trusted traders, um, rated people. I mean, blimey, there's so many now, isn't there? I mean, the, the whole kind of market in terms of these trade vetting companies, it's uh, it's become quite, uh, quite vast. Um, so I'm always interested because I've recently left uh, one of the key players after 13 years' membership. Um, the key Who reason I left... Uh, that was check trade right
0: um,
2: of which was really difficult for me to be honest, because I started off with them pretty much when I started my business thirteen years ago um, and they they really did help me in the early days, and I really did agree with everything they stood for, and they were doing a good job in terms of their vetting procedures um, and security checks in terms of ensuring that references were genuine, which is my biggest bugbear of these systems and yeah so I was with them for 13 years um a real loyal customer to them um spent a lot of money with them over that time and unfortunately they I think they just got I mean this is my own personal opinion of course um but they I think they got to a stage where they just got so big I know they had a change of ownership which in my opinion um, created a few other changes, should we say? Um, but yeah, my membership went up, and um, I spoke to other trades, different trades as well, and they were kind of in the same boat. You know, I've got a friend who's kitchen fit, for example, and you know they increased his membership, and he was really kind of quite cheesed off with it all. Um, but because there was such a a big increase in my membership, I mean, don't please don't quote me on the numbers, but I think it was something around I was paying last year around about seven fifty ish per year. And oh, they had a they, well yeah, they had a an auto renewing process where they just sort of kind of send you an email. So it was a bit like insurance policies, where if you don't if you're not switched onto it and you let it lapse, you then enter into well. another twelve month contract, and then the price that you're paying is increased. I think it when it's about twelve hundred pounds.
0: Ouch!
2: From from around seven fifty ish, and I just thought, you know, out of principle, I'm you know I'm more than happy to you know take a an increase in services i'm paying for year on year um i just felt that you know that that was just too big a price hike for me to justify um so yeah that i was a bit kind of disappointed with that because like i say i was with them for 13 years and you know did,
1: did, um, they, did they give you any kind of explanation for the that scale of increase <laughs> Well, I
2: did have some lengthy phone conversations with them, um, of which every member of staff I've ever spoken to within that company. They've always been friendly, polite, professional, really nice to speak to. Unfortunately, when you cut away the lip service, the reality is, as a business, you need to look at the value for money you're getting. You need to look at the return investment as well. Um, and one of the bugbears I've always had with them, when I've talked about them being oversubscribed in terms of the number of trades that belong to them, which means you then don't get the inquiries back in return. I've been told, well, you know, you shouldn't really see us as a lead generation site. And I'm like, well, what am I paying for then? I'm technically paying you for for a method of advertising. I'm paying for a service Mm. which gets my business out there, which ultimately the goal as far as i'm concerned as and as any other business is concerned is that you would expect to get inquiries off the back of it so
1: i I was under the assumption the model was for you know customers to provide feedback and reviews which would then be hosted on their platform which would then generate leads for you by giving confidence to other potential customers
2: yes that's how it works and the way it's kind of chicken and egg in a way because you need to get your references in to get you higher up the search rankings so it's the same as Google. You know, if you get a few Google references, it helps your whole kind of SEO package in terms of your website and, and getting on page one. Um and it's the same method used within the check trade system. But bearing in mind I'm probably one of, I don't know, five hundred electricians in my kind of county or town that I'm mm. competing with. Even if I got a reference one once a month, I'm not necessarily gonna well, go on page one.
1: Were, you, were you, Right, so you weren't on page one. You weren't, for example, hot in your area for the just um, typical word of electricians. Is it, is it Dorset? Yeah. Right, so if I searched that, you wouldn't be on page one.
2: Uh, when I was a member, I wouldn't be on page one because I what? wasn't getting regular feedbacks in. But the, the reason, again, the, the chicken and egg scenario that I use is that their argument to me was always, well, you know, you need to get your feedbacks up to get higher up search rankings.
1: That's your and job to my, do that, okay yeah
2: exactly yeah so my my answer to that was well actually hang on a moment are you wanting i'm paying you to advertise my business but you also want me to advertise your business at the same time so it's like me paying for an advert in a local community magazine which i do and then that magazine company saying oh lee whilst you've paid for this advert in a magazine you also going to deliver it for me as well and i'm thinking well do you want me to print it do you want me to post it you know, yeah. what are you doing for the money that I'm spending on this advertising method? So what I used to say to them was, Look, if, I, if I get an inquiry through which trusted traders, I will give my client the option of leaving a reference via my which trusted traders um, facility, whether that by be leaving them a card or directing them to my which page to be able to leave me a reference. Because in my book, that's paid back to which for enabling me to get that inquiry through their system. But I'm not going to then say, as well as giving one switch, can you go and do one for Checker Trade or Whilst you're at it? Can you go and do one for Trading Standards, which I'm also a member of? Oh, mm-hmm. can you also go and do one for Google over there as well? So mm-hmm. my, my payback in terms of the referencing system was always whoever gains me that inquiry, I will push that consumer back to that origin of where they found me.
1: Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, the yeah. service, the service, I mean, it's, it's its all lead generating, isn't it? And if anything gets you a lead, you'll provide support for that that source. I hear a lot of good things about Witch. Um, a lot of people seem to have yeah. a lot more um, confidence right now in Witch Trusted yeah. Trader. It Sounds like you have the same um, thought process.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been with Chef Trade. Um, I've been with Witch Trusted Traders. I think I've been with them for about, I don't know, five years maybe um and i'm also with uh the buy with confidence system which is
1: trading standards yeah i know that one
2: yeah but with regards to which trusted traders the things i like about them are number one um they regularly regularly contact me Mm -hmm. um they check that my business terms and conditions are intact and legal so in terms of contracts with my consumers if i have You know, if I entered into a contract with them, they have to make sure my T's and C's are accurate and legally binding. Um, By default, they obviously check my public liability insurance, professional indemnity insurance, employer's insurance. Um, The other thing I like is that when I joined them, they actually employ um, actual training standards type officers to actually interview you. I see rather than a sales rep who's coming around your business to try and sell you the deal or the yeah,
1: tr- trying to add you onto a system instead. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, you know, they, they actually, uh, I think I'm right in saying they do use, um, trading standards type officers to do the interviewing po- process, um, the other thing I love about which is that they they genuinely are the oldest, most recognised consumer protection system out there because obviously you see them in all walks of life um, mm. in the UK in terms of you know uh, reviewing appliances and services and products. But the other great thing is that they're a non profit. Yeah, non profit, which to me sits very very well with me.
0: So I'm um, just just listening to that. So I've never been registered with any of those. Um, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I ever would, um, because when you when you go online, you just type in them in. The two biggest ones that come up on Google Search Engine is rated people and Checker trade. You yeah. have to go looking for which trusted trader. But I like just when you Google which trusted traders, it says that the traders have signed up to a self regulatory code of conduct and a complaints policy. Now I'd love to see an independent piece of research that compares all of these, because mm. what you're telling us about which sounds pretty. Wouldn't darn that be? Old, um,
1: wouldn't that be Dave Savory's video? He didn't he do one? Do I remember? think I
0: think no. I think he might have. But the thing is, is so yeah, that from a consumer, he had
1: yeah, that problem with rated people, where people well, were. Uh, oh people yeah, they would get yeah. But you, Dave Savory okay.
0: does attract some proper weirdos to do weird. That's, fantasist type commentary on his videos. But um the one thing I, I, my experience very recently, I had about two years ago, moved into my home in South End. I went on to check a trade, local plumber, invest in your local self-employed trades. Why wouldn't you do that? That's a wonderful thing to do. And I got this plumber who was absolutely bloody useless. He was still in my house at midnight. I had to throw him out. He had no qualifications to work on any of the gas systems, but he was working on my central heating system it's only changing the radiator this guy struggled all the way through and when we finished he actually wanted 800 pounds from me mm-hmm. so as you can imagine i went into dispute with him i then went to check a trade and they
1: couldn't care Couldn't care. I, I had the same experience uh, we used the system once it was when i lived in bracknell um in berkshire and we had a we had a warm air heating system we wanted to upgrade into a central heating boiler so I was working um, away, so my wife just went on check-and-trade, got a gas company in from Ascot. Uh, he put in a, he put in the system. Basically, he got this. He came in and said, yeah, do this, do this, to this other guy who basically he called Lurch, this really big, tall lad who just ripped all of our floorboards. He ruined the flooring. The flooring wasn't even or balanced, and all the boards were ruined completely. Um, he put in a hept- he put in a whole p- a plastic system with HEP2O connections. He didn't put the metal inserts in them. So about four or five weeks after we had a leak into the living room downstairs, tried to call them, never answered the phone. Called them for about a month, never answered the phone. Got another plumber to come and fix the issue. Um, tried to get everything sorted out, and he actually ended up—he was there was a day where I I left and I noticed his van coming into my housing estate as I left, and he basically knocked on the door, verbally abusing my wife because she was trying to get a gas certificate and they refused to hand it over she mm. my, my uh my wife my wife's uh, family who were kind of funding until i got some money and they're just you know jewish family they just paid straight away paid before the job was done mm. so the communication it was very very useful and we went to check a tray tried to give it, I gave them a game of four out of ten um that's what i felt you know because the after service and little bit was just it dampened it down they wouldn't put that on the system They they said that we had to sort it out first they wouldn't put it on the system it took about three weeks of getting it onto the system and then start mm. and then once it was on the system then the guy started coming around yeah. yeah
2: yeah
1: so it was um it was a bogus bogus system in my view it's,
2: yeah
1: sorry paul go on muted paul
0: sorry i i ended up going on to uh for my plumbing disaster i ended up going on to instagram and i found IRB Plumbing. We were in Essex, and the man is so diligent. He is He's up there with the likes of PB as far as the quality of his pipes and his obsession with polishing pipes and doing absolute. The first thing he said to me when he walked in the door and looked at the gas board, he went, your fuse board's too close to the um, boiler under the gas regulations. And I went, oh, I like you. Mm. <laughs> Straight away, due diligence. Yeah. I have to tell you this, and I thought, brilliant. So, Lee, yeah. I've got a question I for mean, you, mate. I-
1: Can I I
2: just um, just give the other side of the coin to that, of course? Yeah, please do. um, You know, with all of these systems, you know, you're always going to get, you know, really good tradesmen and you're going to get other tradesmen who bend the rules and kind of spoil it for everybody else. And I think ultimately, you know, like most... um, tradesmen that are wanting to do their best they join these clubs and these systems to try and get away from these rogue trades if you like um but unfortunately because none of these systems are bulletproof they're all open to abuse Mm. sadly you will get the ones that spoil it for everybody else and i've had you know the likes of mrs smith you know when i've met someone for the first time and i'm chatting with them and they're like oh well you know yeah that check right. if i see that logo i won't use them because they remember and i'm thinking wow this has gone full circle and that's quite a statement to hear mm-hmm. from consumers to actually say if i see a certain logo by default that means i won't use them um so that's kind of an interesting well, a lot um, of
1: customers do use that logo as an element of trust and if that trust gets broken mm-hmm. it's that logo it's not so much the brand the of, of your own company it's the logo that brought them to you yeah absolutely you know, but and that that, that you know, is the, the
2: problem yeah absolutely and uh you know to be fair there are equally and i would like to think much more of you know really good tradesmen that belong to all of these systems who are obviously you know doing a great job and doing things by the book um so you know you, you when kind of, when we're talking about these things we're not we're obviously not Mm. anybody with the same brush at all, because I actually belong to these schemes, you know, I belong to these clubs, you know, I'm part of it. What uh, what I'm concerned about is what traders are paying a lot of hard-earned money for these systems, a lot of money, um, and when I feel that in some cases, maybe I'm just getting a space on someone's website, maybe they're just contacting me once a year to check my public liability insurance, but is that really worth a £1,000 a year? No. And if, if it's oversubscribed, which is the problem with these systems, they become so oversubscribed that you just get less. It's like this is like the modern day Yellow Pages where you remember the Yellow Pages being super thick yeah. and you'd be lost in a huge section of the Yellow Pages as an electrician with an advert and you would never get found. No. And, you know, if you're a big business and you had a lot of money, you could afford a big, flashy advert, you'd get noticed, you'd get the business. Um, but I, I just think it's
1: a shame that, you the, know... Um... As, you, as you've highlighted, I think the biggest culprit and the problem here is oversubscription. Um it's once the model works and the model is built, it then just runs away. We, we've seen that. We, go, we can come back to the CPSs. We've seen that same kind of problem. Once they decide the different methods to enroll onto their system, we then end up with those over subscription. You all need to obviously go into that model platform. You all feel that you need to obviously display the badges in the interest of your clients. But the badges are the same. Because there's an oversubscribed SIP system, and there are varying mm. levels entering it. Um, this goes back, and you mentioned that which is non-for-profit. So I don't know. Maybe it'd be very interesting to see how many they have subscribed, and what the numbers are mm. like in comparison, and see if having a non-for-profit yeah. entity does become the big difference here. Because if you've got a model that is not non-for-profit, uh, how how can you how can you compromise quantity over turnover? Um, it's just the model of a business, uh, and if that is a business model, they will drive ways to increase numbers. That's the model, and that's
2: kind of the sad um, side effect, if you like, of being a non-profit, that they don't have the same marketing budget as the profit-making companies do. Um, mm. You know, they can't afford to do you know huge television campaigns.
0: No, I don't. I don't disagree with you at it's all. Mm. I'm 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 deep. I'll be honest with you. Um, as someone who's never registered them, all I am thinking is I am deeply disturbed as to what uh, rated people and checker trade actually do. But I do have some hope that this witch system seems to be run in a bit more ethical and a bit more of a stringent and tight way. I can only mm. hope that which, as their memberships grow from people who are frustrated from paying a lot of money for not really much service. Um, uh-huh. can uh, not lose their grasp on yeah. quality, objectivity, keeping non-for-profit <clears throat> and putting consumers first. Because so far we've been talking about consumer protection sy- um, systems or schemes. I don't really know any in the electrical industry. And this Which trusted trader sounds quite insightful. But, um, I mean, with, with consumer protection systems, you look at the current CPSs, dare I talk about them, um, and they offer a what again? Please forgive. Tell me if I'm wrong here, but they offer consumer protection in the form of uh, a. I think the NIC do a Platinum Promise. Platinum um, Promise. But I, I, for me, for the love of me, I can't understand why somebody, if they complained about an electrician, why they would ever want that electrician back in their house. And yet, if I remember rightly, tell me if I'm wrong here, Lee, the the protocol is is if you complain to say an NIC registered contractor or NAPIT or whatever. Um, I think they just probably term it different, but the general process of CPS is, is: if you complain, you have to give that contractor the opportunity to go back and fix the work. No one in their right mind ever would ever do that. So, is that slightly out of touch with reality and common sense? Well, what do you think, um, Lee? Um, the well,
2: I'm glad you brought up the subject of CPSs because um, sorry, mate, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, the I mean the, the complaints procedure um is a is one that i think yeah absolutely needs to be redesigned remodeled you know you know changed to to create better results really and i think it's whether you're looking at the electrical CPSs or the likes of trick trade i do think that these companies do try to encourage um if you like engagement with the tradesmen who may have done a bad job and you know they're trying to encourage mrs smith to get that tradesman back into their home to put it right before it escalates into an official complaint Mm -hmm. unfortunately for these companies that are kind of with all due respect not sat in the real world on the front line in mrs smith's house not realizing the reality of these situations you're absolutely right paul and for me myself if i had a tradesman into my house and I don't know, you know, if if they did a bad job, if they did a dangerous job, the very last thing I would want is that same person coming back into my home. Because unfortunately,
1: mm-hmm. whether
2: it's their fault or not, unfortunately there's a trust issue. And the complaints procedure through the CPS is what the, I mean, I, I speak to lots and lots of consumers over the years because of the nature of the, the work that I do. So I, I do get a lot of frontline feedback in terms of customers Speaking and employing um, electricians all across the area. So, in my experience, with regards to the complaints procedures, um, the the challenges that we face when dealing with consumers, particularly in a domestic setting, is that when we find that we may go into someone's home and you know we're being asked to provide a quotation or do a job on on their system, and we're finding that actually, oh, hang on a minute got a new consumer unit there and you know you have a like you do you do your kind of checks to make sure that you can obviously add on to that mrs smith may not have received a regulation compliant job shall we say when you then start talking about the options that they have in terms of trying to get that rectified and if it's something serious enough that warrants an official complaint to a cps the feedback that I always get is that consumers do not want to go down that road because they don't want the potential repercussions because they feel like they are obviously, you know, reporting someone that they've employed, which unfortunately, that's sadly, what can happen? I mean, you know, we have these complaints procedures in place for a reason. Um, but what I've experienced over the years is that when you talk to ACPS regarding a complaint, in terms of doing it on behalf of the consumer, the answer we've always been given in the past is that the complaint has to come from the homeowner, as in the client, the person ordering the work or the person paying the bill. You mean the uneducated,
0: uninformed person who has no idea about electrics, which is why they employed the yeah. electrician.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And of course, you know, they 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 don't want to do that. And no, of so, course they don't. They don't well, want their front door kicked well, in. Yeah. So they, their their attitude normally, which I fully understand, and respect is, well, do you know what? We now know we just won't use them again. You know, we found you or whatever. We just won't use them again. Mm. We'll, you know, we've learned our lesson and that's it. We'll put it behind us. And I, I tend to say to them, yeah. The, the only downside to that is that, unfortunately, you know, if if you've got someone who's um, undertaking dangerous work then the odds are they might end up doing it again. And therefore, unfortunately, it will only be a question of time before something goes seriously wrong. Um, so it, it's a real difficult one, and it's ultimately down to them as to what they want to do. But the resistance I've found over the years with the CPSs of trying to push me back to getting Mrs. Smith to do it, it it's, it's been really frustrating because I've often said to them, look, you know, if, if the consumer's not willing to do it, you're not getting a true reflection of what's going on out there. But yet, when I spoke to UCAS um, or somebody, yeah, when we spoke to them about this particular situation, their answer was a complaint can come from anyone. Yeah. And the CPS has to investigate it, which is interesting because we've always been pushed back by the CPS to say, no, you, you as it's an officer. not what the CPSs are. tell us. Yeah, you can't do that because you could be trying to, you know, badmouth your competition. For example, is what yeah, thinking. which
1: can easily happen in our industry. Which, yeah, you can easily, yeah. yeah, you can easily make complaints about a company that's just taken over your area or that's just mm, kind of indeed yeah taken in yeah, up, so. absolutely.
2: I mean, you'd have to be, you know, uh, you'd have to be in a situation where if you were to make a complaint, you'd need to make damn sure that you know you have these evidence and the regulations and everything else to back it up but I, I just found it interesting that you know the CPSs have always kind of said one thing but you, then UCAS who oversee the CPSs are saying another um, but anyway regardless of how it works the complaints procedure in my opinion for all of these systems um, yeah sadly needs to be restructured or you know
0: rethought so, by <clears throat> it would be worthwhile knowing anyone listening what experiences they've had if they are on Twitter on social media, to see what the general consensus is. Because if it is the case that the CPS is telling us one thing as electricians and trading contractors, but we're but there's UCAS is saying another thing, then there's a fundamental conflict there that the industry should sort out and inform us correctly, um, which is not good. Uh, Just on that, Lee, um, if we could ask you not to move at all in any way, shape or form, I think the, the internet line from Dorset um it might be too windy outside or something but um you did break up a little bit on on that so apologies um we'll tr- well hopefully they won't notice in the post edit but we generally got the gist of everything you were saying there was good but just don't move at all okay <laughs> book, <laughs> um, you um
2: well you mentioned the platinum promise back along and i would be interested to know what the figures are from said company as to exactly how many of their members or consumers have actually taken advantage of this platinum promise because we're all aware of the uh, varying standards of work across the industry that we all see. Yep. And this platinum promise is something that has been promoted um, by um, CPS, of which I'm probably going to guess that no more than three people mm. have actually utilized the platinum promise I think I think
0: just- I, do you know what I'm, I'm 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 probably I will ask that question actually the next time I meet with um the NIC I know it's the NIC have got it I can't remember what the name of the NAPIT one is but I know they all have something similar uh, as far as their complaints procedures um it's mm. it is quite scary though because with the The volume of work that people put on social media either to educate people don't do this or here's a laugh lads look at the rubbish I found that I've now got to fix in a humor way or a oh my god my Friday's ruined because I'm going to be here till 1am fixing this mess so that the people in this home don't kill themselves. That's one of the things is for all the things people say about electricians especially domestic installers they're the most honorable chaps you'll ever meet because they won't walk away from a house which they know could kill someone. Um, but they end up sometimes i remember i've been into houses where it's been so dangerous i've just thought i can't leave this till i fix this and this is going to take me until very very late and probably maybe even the weekend and these people don't have a penny to pay for it um and i know people again you're mad you're mad you shouldn't do that well yeah i am mad but get over it um so consumer protection systems i think we're entitled um to know more about the statistics as far as many people have claimed because if you took a percentage of the pictures and the stuff that goes on social media which are not rigged then surely at least a percentage of that would be claimed upon but i think lee you nailed it i think a lot of people just go yeah i think i've learned my lesson and i won't go with them again and these blokes go and this is one of the things that kind of annoys the hell out of me there are rogue traders in our industry that are not held to account Or as Dave uses the wonderful term, there are people let into the industry, authorized into our industry that should be authorized straight out the bloody industry. Um, And it would be really good to see a a regulatory, I'm not going to even use that term, a controlling authority on our industry, authorizing authority that legislates that if you are found to do bad work, Um, It's a strike against you And once you hit a number of strikes You're out, you're done And if it's a really bad strike You're out anyway
1: The only way way this will end up working is if we introduce a license to practice scheme and therefore electricians are each capable and culpable and responsible for their own activities. And then you can sanction. You can sanction a license, which means you go onto a database and you can then delete that electrician for the period of a sanction or pending training or pending review to immediately take that person out of circulation to protect the public
0: yeah um, that's I the mean, way that's it I and think, this is why the ninja teaches us all that I couldn't agree with you anymore couldn't that. agree with you anymore
2: i think um yeah the with the, the two different sectors here have kind of overlapped because we're talking about consumer protection here but i think we've got a situation where we've got one arm of consumer protection type companies that. Are generic in terms of trade and services, such as your check trades, your which yeah. traders, trade people, and all the rest of them. So that mm-hmm. that's one kind of sector of consumer protection, if you like. You've mm-hmm. then got the what I still class as commun- consumer protection of the electrical electrical competent person schemes, mm-hmm. and each sector has their own challenges, has their own improvements that they need to make. Um, so I you know i i do think it's important for that and you know i i absolutely you know want to put on record that i fully agree with what dave just said and it's something that i've always been of the opinion of that i would love to see some form of not-for-profit um regulator if you like in terms of a license to practice system in our industry i mean For me personally, only speaking for myself, of course, I would love to see some form of non-profit regulatory system whereby we do have a license to practice, whereby we can have a structured system where people are properly assessed in terms of, and I'm I'm not overly keen on the word competence because it's too generic, it's too open to interpretation, and the worst thing about the word competence is that it can be self-judged. Um, because you know I've, I've had it many times you know where consumers you know I'm, I'm looking at a job for them and you know there may be a variety of different jobs to do they might say well you know can I do that can I change that light switch and you just do this then the other and I'm like well technically do you deem self-competent and they look at me like what are you talking about is that a trick question I'm like no I'm serious you know you need to decide whether you feel that you're competent to do the task in your hand I mean My my natural answer is, well, if it's any form of electrical job, regardless of how minor, then, you know, you need to be, you know, using somebody who is trained, qualified, experienced to do the task in hand. Um, Mm. But yeah, licensed practice system where ultimately we benchmark for people entering the industry in terms of um, you know a good level of training experience and qualifications I think is much needed personally um, yeah. because we've all seen the varying different levels coming through but electricians being held accountable that's that's the thing at the moment because we could start talking about the whole qs model which
0: i it think would, it would it totally would kick forward. off i think it would kick i think at some point in in the future this industry is going to have to introduce a a system or a new something which has penalties and i think those penalties are going to have to be very stern and severe to send a shockwave through this industry that the the age of the unregulated electrician is over because electricians need to be held accountable mm-hmm. for their own competence, their own professionalism. Um, the fact if they uh, there are so many sparks who don't want to upskill their knowledge, then fine. Uh, to be honest with you, fling them out of the industry because they're making themselves dangerous with their own ignorance. And they'll yeah. get to a point where yeah, okay, fine, run the cable from A to B will never change. But the application around what we do and protection and everything is changing and it is evolving. Um, that's probably a really controversial thing to say. Well,
2: I mean, I sadly, I can only, you know, have been in the industry for a, a while now. I've, I've kind of seen being moved. I've seen standards change. I've seen qualifications change. I've seen the standards of training changed in terms of on, colleges really, and also private training providers.
0: Just for this podcast, you, can you confirm that you're not a kitchen fit like Adrian Davey? Because <laughs> Andrew and Davy came, obviously, confirmed he was a kitchen fitter. So, just for the listeners, uh, I can confirm Lee ward is a fully qualified and very competent uh, electrician. He's on, um, he's on Twitter and all the social media, and he's very proud at sharing his work, which is a, a commendable thing. Yeah. Um, lads, um, I want to, I want to talk about uh, another subject. I want to organically move on because I want to talk about something, and I'm hoping um, Lee does not explode with um, rage and anger. I want to talk about LABC. <laughs> Local authority building control, and I want to read something to you, gents. So, this is from their website, and it says, Local authority building control represents all local authority building control teams in England and in Wales. We are independent, impartial, and not for profit. So, why do they charge for loads of stuff? Oh, yeah, because they need to pay contractors. Public service building control is committed to safeguarding the safety and protection of our communities by constantly reviewing surveyor competence so okay that lee i think you've got quite a lot of experience in this what's what what do you do you think labc are uh, and this will n- organically go on to part p no doubt but um what do you think of labc's do you think they do enough to protect people just what do you think um yeah so just as a bit of background over the last
2: i'll probably say 10 years so i've been um employed or appointed as a if you like, an electrical consultant, stroke assessor, whatever you want to call it, um, to assess electrical installation work that has been subject to approved document P for electrical do- works in domestic dwellings. Um, and that obviously encapsulates a whole variety of scenarios from the homeowner having an extension done five years ago, but you know their friend who was a builder, knew a friend who did the electrics, never got a certification, never got self-certified. And so, of course, when the building inspector goes back to sign it off, they then ask the question and they don't have the certifications. They then put in place uh, what they call a regularization where, you know, building control just won't sign it off, you know, without at least doing some form of checks on the system. Uh, um, so they would pay the homeowner would then pay local authority building control to do a regularization. Um building control in my particular area of um, Dorset, they would then appoint me to go and do an independent EICR on the work that, that has been carried out. And yeah, of course, the homeowner pays LABC for that. And I don't know how that works out in terms of uh, non-profit scenarios or anything else. I mean, I assume they price it in a way that it covers their costs in terms of administration. Um, so you know, they obviously to comply with approved document P, and this goes back to, you know, the misconception out there in the wider electrical industry that you have to be registered to do notifiable work. No, you don't. There are systems in place via approved document P where you don't have to be registered because technically it's the homeowner's responsibility to ensure that their duty and their obligation for the part P, which is building
0: regulations, that they consider that. So just to be clear here, so you don't need to be a registered domestic installer. You don't need to be registered with a cps um you can actually do the work yourself and it's the homeowner's responsibility under part p to inform the council so this is the uninformed incompetent under eawr people responsibility so how in god's name did part p ever get made law
2: well this is where the and again i'm not i can only say things how they are so i'm not trying to talk about cps's all the time but we're working in an industry where we're completely overseen and, and i belong to the nic in a spirit contractor so to a degree i'm answerable to them um but one thing that they'll never talk about is the fact that
0: looks like we'll never talk no about kind of an it there. oh there we go it's well, back Lee, you're I jumping. You? You're jumping out. I told you, stop moving. <laughs> Literally, stop moving. <laughs> it's Sorry. causing buffering. Apologies. Um, go go back to where go back to where you were again. Sorry. Start again about um. You you don't want to talk about the CPS's, but
2: yeah. But unfortunately, it, it does come back um, to them because we work within an in, within an industry where the vast majority of us as electricians, electrical contractors, electrical engineers to these schemes in one way or another. you know, We do that for good reason. Um, but in terms of the notifiable system under Part P, which is why we're talking about LABC, is that you technically as an electrician, you don't have to be registered. You don't have to put into force the Part P process yourself necessarily. It's technically the homeowner's responsibility. Now, a good practicing electrician who's aware of these systems will naturally, you would hope, educate the consumer into the scenario of, well, you know, I'm qualified, I'm trained, I'm competent to be able to do the task you're asking me. But just to let you know, I'm not registered. Therefore, because this work is notable, notifiable under billing regulations, part P, um, you should therefore inform your local authority building control department before the job starts. And that's the point where LABC have a system in place to, shall we say, is probably the wrong word, but do a degree of checks to make sure that that work complies with BS 7671. Um, now, with regards to local authority building control as a whole, in my experience with the consultancy work that I've done with them over oh, quite a while now, even though part P's been in place since when two, building inspectors, unfortunately, and building control managers that still do not understand the entire setup and the procedures related to part p and i have i've had meetings with them i've had loads of different scenarios with them where i'm trying to inform them and bearing in mind the document isn't particularly vast you know approved document p it's not it's not a huge document That you know
0: that that it used to be really good Mm i don't know if you guys remember when part p came out the very first year it came out there was a section in it that talked about individual competence. And I remember it caused uproar. I remember being in a wholesaler and everyone was kicking off going, what the hell? Individual competence, what's all this malarkey? And then literally two, three months later, gone. Reissued, the whole section taken out. It was just controversy.
1: I mean, the industry just couldn't deal with it. I mean, building controls always been there. I mean, I'm in my detached garage, which I converted last year. And when we contacted the builder to do the work, he said, you may want to just talk to the lo- to the building control and see if it's a notifiable job. He didn't think it was, but he said just to do it before we started getting the work. And we gave them the money. And that's exactly how you've described part P can work, where the electrician would recommend to the client to contact the local building control to see if it's notifiable and to get it done. Um so the question as to why building control hasn't been able to accommodate that simple principle, which is just the same as other methods of building control notification, does it maybe suggest that maybe the CPS in particular have confused the whole issue on behalf of building control by maybe saying this process is going to simplify or maybe maybe make the other process unnecessary? Because the, the model flow. the model is there. It's just the model was always there, but it's just if it's been days confused, just, just who's to be clear.
0: Just to be clear, on behalf of LABC and their website, it clearly states our network of 3,700 professional surveyors will provide you with fast, impartial, expert advice. I wonder if I went to my local authority building control and said, hello, mate, I'm about to rewire my home. What do I need to do? What are the odds they'd say you need to go and get registered with the NIC or the ECA or NAPIT um, to be able to notify this? Or would they actually, I might do that. Because I'm rewiring my house, so I'm not going to be joining the CPS to be able to sign off my own home. I'm the homeowner, I'll just declare it myself.
2: The problem is is that you will get different answers from different building inspectors from different authorities, and the problem with that is that that just demonstrates the lack of understanding of this requirement within their section of their regulations, which is kind of ironic, really, because it's section P of their own regulations. Yeah, I can't tell you (laughs) The number of meetings and conversations I've had with them where I've tried to give them the correct advice as to the procedure that needs to take place, but then they still don't understand it. So when they go on site and they, they're not asking the right questions as to... What work's been carried out? Um, Are you using a registered electrician? Yes or no? The the relevant questions don't get asked. And I've had cases before where I know that an application has come into an LABC. They forwarded it to me. I've then contacted the homeowner and they've said, oh, no, don't worry. Um, We need to cancel that now because we've got somebody in to sign it off. I'm like, well, how can you? Because the job was done two years ago. And It was done by a person who wasn't registered. How, how can anybody sign it off? She said, Well, you know, I, I found a guy and uh, he's got a logo, he came in and gave me a certificate and he signed it off for me. <laughs> okay, so you've had work retrospectively certified, which isn't allowed anyway, you've had work notified, which isn't allowed anyway, because upon completion of said work, you have 30 days, I believe, to complete your self certification yeah. under P. Yeah, so it is. Yeah, you've then got a building control authority who are willing to accept those certificates because it's got a late logo on it. And the problem here is it all comes back to liability. I've had it confirmed to me that a certain authority has basically said, well, as long as it's got a logo on it, um, somebody else has taken responsibility for it. It's not our problem.
0: So just on on this, um, because Part P is an interesting one. So I'm on electrical safety first um who many many years ago you could have re- well they were the nic they're what's left of the original nicic um and it's quite interesting when you look at their website on part p of the building regulations um just for those listening in case you may be of a younger age in 2005 the government introduced electrical safety rules for england and wales because most fixed in electrical installation works must by law meet the building regulations Part P states that anyone carrying out and reading this verbatim electrical installation work in a home must make sure that the work is designed and installed to protect people from fire and shocks. Part P applies to any changes made to existing installations, including any parts that have been rewired. In April 2013, further changes were introduced, reducing the range of electrical installation work that is notifiable. Well, that—that's there. Uh, you go. There's, there's a bit of upskilling for me. I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but they I'm, also added what.
0: Removing some requirements in kitchens and outdoors. Um, and
1: what else did they bring in?
0: Oh, I don't know. I've not got the. What, what did they bring in, Dave? You tell us. Third party. Did they really?
1: Yeah.
0: Because uh, I, I don't sit and read Part P, because obviously. 3.5
1: 3. 3. of Part take... P. Before a work mm, begins, installer. an installer who is not registered may appoint a registered third party certifier oh. to inspect and test the work as necessary. Sorry, did I say that out loud? That's bad. That and it must be bad. done within five days of completion of the work. So you so, know that whole, that whole initial Part verification P, carried out during erection, that doesn't apply here? Part P doesn't apply to Northern Ireland.
0: Um, and it says, all electrical installation work in a home garden conservatory outbuilding must be the building regs, apart from some minor works. Um, who is responsible? By law, all homeowners and landlords must be able to prove, prove the work meets Part P or they will be committing a criminal offence. Wonder how many people have been prosecuted? Probably virtually none or a very low single digit figure if any um, local authorities can make homeowners or landlords remove or alter any work there's a meet building regs well that's just existing powers um, there's an interesting part on this website and it says what do i need to do before electrical installation work can be carried out in my home tell local authority as you said employ an electrician who is registered with one of the government approved part p schemes you don't have to do that though do you we recommend that you use a registered electrician to do the work. And then it says the advantages are you will not have to pay any building control charges. Well, you will, because it will be an electrician's fee if you ask him to take on that role. But the
2: difference there, Paul, which is where you could argue it's clever marketing, is that when mm-hmm. I do a notifiable job under Part P, I again, don't quote me on the figures, but I think it's something like £3.50 maybe. Um, whereas if uh, if the homeowner point spill and control to oversee the job um it can run into the hundreds
0: yeah i was going to say is i have had quoted about 180 quid to have a guy who was a kitchen fitter it wasn't adrian davy before you ask um to come out and check my electrics and the guy did and i ended up spending a day teaching him about um testing Mm. and this is a guy who's coming to tell me to (laughs) to check my work assess your work yeah and he's done a a five-day course kitchen fitter um, he wasn't even an electrician by trade. He was just a guy who'd done one of them five-day courses and um, was, was basically working for a company who had a contract with a council.
2: I think I think to kind of sum up the whole kind of LABC question that you asked is that the, the sad thing about it is unfortunately LABC are obviously uh, um, subject to government funding. Um, equally, they're subject to the cuts that um, a lot of authorities have, have suffered over the years as well as... And I would probably suggest quite confidently that in reality of the whole part P system, it isn't something that they wanted anyway in the first place. It's not something that, in my opinion, they can manage. It's certainly not something that they can police. It's certainly just something that is an administration process where they file a certificate and it just stays in the archives for years to come. So I don't actually think they want it or need it in any respect i think what happened here was that there was a system in place where they then used again going back to the cps's but the the cps's are technically overseeing this procedure which is why i'm paying unfortunately to be a reluctant member of a cps and then i'm paying on top to register my job three pound fifty every time i install a new circuit three pounds fifty every time i install a new consumer unit so labc are kind of sat in the background not really doing anything and they certainly don't have the funding they certainly don't have the expertise to be able to police or or do anything about this and that's demonstrated by the lack of prosecutions for this system which many in the industry would argue is not fit for purpose and it certainly hasn't achieved what it set out to achieve back in 2005 speaking for myself only
0: I don't disagree with you. I, I actually was at an event today with the IET, and I said openly in front of many people that IT was a broken and and basically useless piece of building regulation um i yeah it, it's never really had the teeth and it's never really had the impact that the mps that the IT did all
2: part people oh, because you just said the it was broken did you mean
0: part p broken yeah part p did i say it broken oh dear god yeah, yeah you okay. said it's late it's late sorry about <laughs> that yeah part p is broken <laughs> Some i yeah. argue the IT is broken, but hey, um, yeah. it's late. Do, do you think? Doing these yeah, projects. I mean, everybody's been banging
2: on about Part P, obviously, since its since its birth, really. Um, and some would argue, well, it's better to have it than nothing. Well, I, I would argue it'd be better to have put a system in place that was actually fit for purpose. And if if we if the industry is in the... some cases admitting it's broken, and half the industry doesn't want to admit it's broken surely there's a challenging know.
1: case yeah my 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 perspective of this is the the intention and drivers of part p would have been absolutely fine if they were actually looked after by the proper caretakers of industry and that's when we had organizations that were assessing regularly approved contractors mm. you know and the equivalent of nap But I think the problem, from my experience in training, because I was in the training sector from a period from 2008 onwards, and I was seeing at that point where I started, it was still at that point where they were still competing fairly well amongst each other for registrations. We talk about oversubscription when we mentioned earlier on with consumer protection. The same things happened here. Um, And instead of obviously... With the electrotechnical assessment specification agreeing how to assess competence, say you must need level, level, level three, level three, level three, level three. Uh, the qualifying super must, must be the 2391. They then, at some point, chose to l- release that requirement and then they chose to put or equivalence down as requirements and in their two years or equivalents and then they started to interpret that in another way the biggest problem was that these organizations could also provide training and they had this bespoke or the defined scope aspect of part p and yeah. so if you think about this imagine a part p where the rapid training domestic installer hadn't happened because that's where that's imagine part p but without that happening mm. it probably would be talking about it as much
2: well i i I always said that i've always been of the opinion um my own personal opinion that the the birth of part p was actually also the birth of a system whereby because they introduced legislation that they equally realized they had a shortage of skilled workers or skilled electricians um they thought well how do we create the electricians that we need to actually satisfy this legislation of registered sparks coming into the industry and as per the usual with a lot of um, you know professional industries these days is that things t- tend to get watered down if you like mm-hmm. and that's where as you say you had full scope and you had limited scopes so they set up the limited scope for your plumbers, your kitchen fitters to do alterations and additions to circuits. You then had full scope for the people that did more extensive electrical work in domestic properties, such as fuse box upgrades, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But nobody ever went for the limited scope because it was the difference of a one day course versus a two day course. And the difference in money, everybody was thinking, well, actually, hang on a minute. What's the point of only going halfway I Might as well just do the whole lot. It's just as easy. So then you had a situation where people were applying and gaining access to the industry through this full-scope system to comply with Part P, which is where the misconception comes into industry where people say, well, I'm Part P qualified. Well, no, you're not, because Part P is literally just a section of the building regulations. Um, And that was kind of like the birth, if you like, to satisfy the requirements of Part P so that you then had the domestic installers coming into the industry. um, And that's kind of where your aspect of training was probably noticeable, Dave, in terms of seeing the differences of industry going down this road of potentially, you know, some people call it de-skilling or some people call it watering down. Um, it then creates a, a, a varying level of competence coming into the industry. And I think that was triggered by the, the introduction of Part P
0: yeah i don't think part p solved the problems it set out to solve um i think it created more confusion more chaos and 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 i think it it, it just it's been a cyclical just it's just been a it's been chaos I mean, since it started to be if, if, if it if it worked
2: there would have been prosecutions that regularly people would hear about because we all know about you know uh, what goes on in the industry i mean i had one the other day where i went to a client's house who known her for a long time I went there six months actually, actually to do a quote on various different jobs. Um, went back there a, a week ago to do um, a small job on their lighting. And I noticed actually, interestingly, that when I went to do safe isolation, I noticed that their consumer unit had been upgraded since my last visit. Um, so, you know, did my job, safely isolated, did the job. And I said, oh, the, you know, the consumer underneath the stairs there, have you got a copy of this certificate? Because I'd like to compare the test results with my test results today. And she said, oh yeah, I'll, I'll have, a, have a look. Long story short is, didn't have them. Hmm. So when I kind of gently, respectfully probed as to who did it, it was a friend of her husband's. And you know where this is going. No certification, no part P. Now, these jobs are being done time and time again, whereby the the people I feel frustrated for is the electricians who are trying to do things by the book. And also, by doing it by the book, they're spending, again, hard-earned money to better themselves, to become compliant, to be registered with a competent person scheme, to work within the regulations, to do everything the way they should. But yet, unfortunately, we have this system in place where it's so open to abuse. But not only is it open to abuse, the, these people aren't getting caught. The prosecutions aren't happening. And also, worse still, just to cheer you up, is that when this person goes to sell their house. Whereas a short while ago, it would flag up as a problem with solicitors because the certification wouldn't be available, you can now take out professional, uh, sorry, insurance, indemnity insurance against that work that's been carried out to get you over the line anyway.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I've just, so the house I bought in Southend had loads of building work done. I had a surveyor who was actually a work colleague come out and probe it quite deeply and there was no certification for the loft extension I'm currently sat in and um, I asked for all the certification there was none. I had an electrical certificate which was just a farce from a local electrician I look forward to one day meeting him because um, I know the name of his company and I even know where his vans parked outside his house. So at one point we'll probably meet up and I'll tell him what he did um, rightly or wrongly. But I ended up getting an indemnity policy, which is just worth nothing. Uh. Uh, the only thing I can claim on is if if I do works to this loft, which I will have to do, that the building control come after me and say, oh, no, that's all wrong. You're going to have to fix it. That I might be able to claim on a piece of paper, which, to be honest with you, you can barely read the font. It's that bad. It's that generic a document. I literally got a scan of a scan of a scan, which uh, the woman paid a hundred odd pounds for to help complete on the house sale and I'm like looking at it going this is crap went to the solicitors they didn't give a damn
2: it's a a shame really Paul because when you think about the reasoning behind it I think the intention originally was good but do you not think that there's been a fundamental mistake in its birth whereby the people that were advising as per this particular system do you not think that there was a conflict of interests that they saw a money-making opportunity here to be able to create a it, system that actually would be a good return? One
0: thing that most people in the world will agree, that insurance in general as a system or a set of principles is fundamentally flawed, corrupt, stupid, unwarranted, illogical, and just a great rip-off um which is just apparently it's a regulated sector but let's be perfectly frank you can drive your car like an angel every year for 10 years and every year your car insurance is going up because there's more crime around you uh, there's no logic to what they do you go online and find i i've i'm looking for car insurance now my car insurance has gone up 200 quid i went online i found it for 400 pound cheaper my home insurance i've been burgled that's gone up by 100 pound every year for the last three years just looked online i found it for a really good price again these insurance companies depend on their 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 vast realms of cash is dependent upon complacency. And I think in the electrical industry, there is a lots of complacency. I think the LABC, I think with the CPSs, I think Part P, sadly, which was good intent, obviously. But I think it's failed quite a lot of people. Um, what's your view, Dave?
1: Well, I mean, in a recent podcast we did where we talked about the new um, private landlord's um, we said there that we feel that it's not going to achieve what it's trying to do, and I think that's what happened with Part B. Like you're saying, I think you know the intent. The intent. The intention there was to improve safety. What it's achieved is uh, obviously the outputs. We see there's uh, frustration, confusion. There's obviously a huge growth in. I'm going to say again, authorized electrical workers. I'm not going to call them all electricians. I mean, we had this. I had this. I had this discussion in training today. Mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the people I'm training this week, they work, they're from an oil refinery. They work all around the world. And they go to places and say, if you're going to go to a control panel, you must be an electrician. I said, well, no. And then I'll go back to what Lee said earlier on about competence. And he says some key words there. Um, I'm not going to quote you, but he said basically relative to the work, nature of the work, skills, oh. instruction. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this is the problem. So we've, we've obviously tried to achieve competence, um, but there's been no... There's been no support. And I think where we are now is, as we say, we've got CPS organizations, which we consider the caretakers of this industry, but they aren't, as, as, as Lee's hinted toward, they aren't really helping the ones who want to do better. They, yeah. We haven't got any way to identify those who want to do better compared to those who don't want to bother. This is, kind of, this is like I've always kind of stressed, and I say this to clients I, I consult with. I say, you know, these guys will come wearing the same badges, they'll come wearing the same livery, and if you just trust the badge, you may end up not liking the badge.
0: Oh. But like
1: we said earlier on with trust with uh, the other ones, with the checker trading things. If the clients trust the badge, and this is what the companies will do, they'll put the money in, they'll market to get clients to trust the badge, which then makes everyone invest in the badge, and then it gets oversubscribed. And when you get it oversubscribed, you get those who don't want to bother you, get those who do. And we need to find a way to, again, this is kind of like the hashtag I use, leveling up. We need to find a way to uh, celebrate those who want to do better, find mm-hmm. a way to hold them up higher and show the clients where they are. Yeah. And this
0: is why you can also see why I won't allow my badge because my badge i hope people will trust in it because we are doing this absolutely for no money whatsoever money will never go near it so when you when, when we are criticizing badges we're not criticizing our own because we won't allow money anywhere near the sodding thing we're doing this as volunteers for the love and passion of sharing our knowledge and our thoughts to help the individual guys and people in this industry maybe level up or gain some unique gems that will help them and their families going forward so um we are properly waffling on now so gents i think on that bombshell we are going to end this podcast lee you are a fountain of knowledge and we must have you back again so um apologies for anyone listening there's been a few buffers the internet in dorset is um i think it's set to around (laughs) 2003 uh levels but the conversation is rich with knowledge so um we'll get you back again lee and um on that don't me on, guys. Mm. Awesome, um, thank you very much, Dave. Thank you very much, Lee. No Say worries, bye, chaps.
1: Cheers, see you later, mate. And, thank you, um, guys.
0: good night for us. Um, usual words take care of yourself and each other. Goodbye.